works, but okay. So over the weekend, I went to church. Obviously it was Sunday. Um, I like to go to church on Sunday because I need motivation for the week. I need, like, I don't really go for like, oh my gosh, my week was so bad. And now I have to go to church and like drag myself. I'm kind of like, okay, my flame's dying out and I really need to feel inspired. I need like a, I need like a motivation to keep living out my week. And so one thing, and I was posting in my stories and a couple people were like, oh, I love this, like such good tips. But I always sit in the very front. My husband hates it, like literally hates it so much because he can't like doze off and fall asleep, which he totally does. And I'll like nudge him. I'm like, dude, wake up. Like the pastor can see you. So we sit in the front now. So he has to like be alive. And um, so that's one thing. And the other thing is that I, um, my like ADD brain won't really let me take notes for a lot of things in my life anymore because I have like 18 notebooks and like all these post-its and these papers and things in Microsoft documents and other things in my notes. And it's just so overwhelming to me. And I don't ever look back and go in anything. So I've learned to just have like my journal where I really just put anything in there, like thought wise that I need to like figure out and do. And I kind of like it because then I can go back and I can kind of like see like what I was doing, what I was learning about, what kind of aha moments I'm having, the prayers that I had. I just write like my whole life, like everything in just a journal. And it was like a dollar store journal. It's not anything crazy. It's just that. But I also take notes on any sermon or um, like Bible study or anything that I'm in sitting in church. I have it and I write things down in it because if I have my phone out to type in notes, I just get too distracted. And then I'm like, oh, look, someone texted me. And I'm like, oh, wait, what's on my calendar this the today? Like, and the next thing I know it, I'm like building a grocery list. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I have to stop doing this. And so I started bringing my journal to write everything in it. And the thing that I do, and like, I, I want to share this because I know that I struggle with this and someone out there has to struggle with this. But when you take notes or when you're reading a Bible or when you're reading a book or anything you're doing to like put information in, what you're looking for is the phrases, the sentences, the ideas that stand out to your spirit, like where it hits you, where you're like, whoa, that was good. Like those things. Now, what hits your spirit is different than what hits mine because Everyone is taking what they're learning and they're applying it to their own life. That's what you're supposed to do. That's why the Bible that I shared about is called a life application Bible. That's what I read because like the regular Bible, I'd be like, I'm not really smart enough to read that. Like the words are very confusing and I'm like, can't pronounce anything. And I'm just so confused and I don't understand. So this Bible is really great. It's called the life application study Bible. And it literally applies it to your life. Like it breaks it down and tells you like this scripture, this is what it could mean. And so I think that that's really great to be able to have that. But if I just write out the things that really stood out to my spirit that I'm hearing in a message or verses, or I have ideas, because a lot of times what I do is while I'm listening to stuff. So hold on, let me back up for a second. I kept hearing God tell me 
when I was a workaholic and I was just burying myself in work and I was stressed out and I was overwhelmed and I was screaming at my kids all the time. And I was annoyed with my husband all the time. And I was just so tired and so burnt out. And I just kept hearing God tell me if you want more success and you want to feel free, spend more time with me. And like, I believed that I was like, how is doing less and spending time with you going to help me make more money? Like, how is that even going to happen? If I'm doing less work, like, it's not just going to fall in my lap. Someone's not just going to knock on my door and say, oh, hey, here you go. Here's $10,000. Or, oh, are you writing a book? Here, let me write the book for you and let me pay you. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I have to put in the time. But what I found out is that the scriptures and the, and the sayings and the ideas that I would hear, hear when I was listening to a sermon or a book or a Bible study would trigger an idea. Like I would hear something and then I would think of a real idea or I would think of a carousel post where I was like, yes, like people need to hear this. I could make a carousel post. And I started like taking notes, but also like drawing out layouts of stuff because I would have all these ideas. And the things that I implement when I have these ideas are all the things that make me more successful. So for instance, the week between Christmas and New Year, I don't ever do anything. Like that is our time in our family to completely just, we don't leave the house. We don't have play dates. We just literally like sit around and do nothing. We read, we watch movies, we sleep in, we take naps. Like there is no requirements. Everyone can just chill out. We eat whatever it's, you know, it, this is what we do. And it's the best time because there's less distractions and there's so much time that we actually like move forward a lot and get ready for the new year and goals and all of those things that happen because we're doing less. And so when I go back on my Instagram and I look one thing that I've been wanting so bad is obviously to reach more people. Like that's all I want to do is reach more people because the more people that I can reach, the more people that I can impact. And it's not me, of course, it's God, but I want to do that work. I want to use my gifts and talents and things that God gave me to inspire people, to make them have better lives, to make them realize that they're just in this like Satan's trap in the Valley and in depression and unfulfillment and stress and wanting all these things that the world wants. Like, I'm so glad you can hear me, Terry. <laughs> glad you're back. Um, but all these things that the world wants and all those things are lies. And so I want to inspire people to do that. So in order to do that, I need a bigger microphone. I need a louder microphone. I need a bigger platform. And so for me, like, that's all I've been focusing on is like, I need the platform bigger. I need the platform bigger. And in my head, this is like all I'm saying. And I realized same thing that happened to me when I was chasing money, where I was like, I just need to make more money. I swear if I just had more money, everything would be better. I know it would be better. I'd be happier. We wouldn't fight. This would be incredible. And then I got it and realized that that wasn't it. Like I thought that that was going to be, and it wasn't, it's the exact same thing where you're thinking like, oh, if I just had, if I just had more followers, I would be so much better. If I just had more likes on this picture, 
I would like feel so much better. Or if I just had more comments or more people signing up for my email list or more people on my podcast or whatever you're looking for more in, I promise you that's not really where it's at. Because when I had 500 followers on Instagram, I just wanted more followers. Then when I had 6,000, I wanted more followers. I was like, I just need more followers. Like I would look at other people's accounts that had like 10, 12. And I'm like, that's like so great. Like I want to have that many followers. Like that's so awesome. Like impacting so many people. And then I got to 10 and I'm like, I just need more. I got to 12. I just need more. I got to 15. I just need more. And now I'm like looking at my, like, look at the number. And I'm like, we just need more people. And then it hit me where God was like, you don't need more people. You don't need more people. You're looking for like, this is the definition of it's of success is that more people are coming. Well, when is it going to be enough? We do that as parents. And at least I do that. And a lot of people I know do that where it's like, we're not good enough moms. Like we're just not good enough. Like I should have made dinner more times this week. I should have read my Bible with my kids. I should have spent more time with my kids. We should have watched more movies. I should have did less work to spend more time with them. I really shouldn't have yelled as much. I really should have made healthier food. I really should be teaching them better habits. I really should be. And that's all we do as parents. And it's like, it's never enough. And our kids five and our kids 15 and our kids 25 and our kids 35. And we're still like, we're not good enough. I should have taught them better when they were little. I should have been more patient with them. I should have been kinder to their dad so that they could have learned this. And that's all we do. And that thought right there is enough to get you so unfocused and get you off your path of your calling. Like just that, like the devil's like, all right, I got the best one. Like she thinks that she's spending time with God. She's doing the thing. I'm just going to tell her like, Hey, you're not enough. It's not enough. You need to do more. Nice try, but you still don't have enough followers. And because now I'm comparing myself to people that have 50,000 followers. I'm like, oh, if I could just have 46,000 followers, like it would be amazing. Well, it won't be. I know it won't be. I know for a fact that it won't be because my track record has proven that this is a pattern that I always go back to. And I repeat this pattern over and over and over and over. And it's what it always was. I had four kids because I needed more people to love me. And literally I told my husband that, and he was like, I think you're crazy. It's like, but I need more babies. He's like, okay. Like, so then I got a dog and then I was like, it's not enough. I need like, I need more animals. So I got another dog and then I had another kid. And then finally I was like, you're right. Like there will never be enough things to love me because it's not how we were created to be. And I had to get over some issues and some trauma and things like that. But it's really incredible to me that just from not believing we're enough or not believing we have good enough ideas, like you might have this idea, but you keep like shoving it down because you're like, no, everything we've ever done, we failed at. So we're not going to do that. Or you might think that you're totally not equipped to do something. If you had an idea in your head, like since I've been writing my book, I partnered with this publishing company and they sent me this box and there were all these stats and stuff inside of it. They said that 89% of people want to write a book in their lifetime. That thought comes in their head. How they found that data, I have no idea. (laughs) This could be a made up number. I don't even know. But 89% of people 
have this thought that they want to write a book and 1% of people actually do it. And it's just because you don't feel equipped. You're like, I can't write a book. What would I write a book about? Or how would I even do that? What are, I don't even know how to do that. Or I wasn't even good at English. I failed English. Like, how am I going to write a book? And these are all thoughts that we come in, but God could want to use you to be able to do something. And I realized through this whole year and everything that I've learned and what I've been doing is that God doesn't want us to do it in our own strength. I mean, he says that we can't. He says like, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. You might be able to do it for a little while, but eventually you're going to cave. Like you're not going to be able to do this in your own strength. And that's why so many people cannot battle addiction. They just can't win on their own because the Bible says you can't. You can't do it in your own strength. And if we do do it in our own strength, who gets the glory? We do. We're like, yeah, I did it. It was, you know, this is exactly how I did it. And it's your whole story, which was my 100% story and testimony when I was in my business. And I would, of course, like in my head, like I knew it was God, but I didn't talk about that on stage. I didn't talk about that on all my posts. I didn't talk. I was like, look, six figure earner. Look how I did it. You want to do it? I'll teach you how join my team. I'll help you. I'll help you retire. It was all me. Taryn's going to do it. The glory of Taryn. Like that's not how it is. It wasn't me who did that. It was God putting people in my path, connecting me to people. But when I would stop trying to do it in my own strength, like sitting like, okay, this is like my own strength versus God's strength. I'll show you the difference. So my own strength, I would set an alarm in the morning and I would be like, okay, I need to be in this office from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. And then I would take a break until 7 p.m. This was every day. Like ask anyone in my family, this was every day. I would take a break from four to seven to spend time with my kids and to make dinner. And then at seven o'clock, I would go in my office and I would stay in here until 11, 12, one, two. Sometimes my husband would be like, dude, like come to bed. Like you, like, and my eyes would be burning and I would be, I would have exhausted myself doing every single thing I could possibly think of to be successful, like putting in the work, writing it down, doing it. And I just remember seeing people have this like pop-up success. Like they were just like, boop, like, oh, look, this person just made like a hundred grand. Oh, boop. Another person did. And I'm like, what the heck are they doing? Like, I am doing everything that I can think of and I'm not having success. Like, why are they having success? I shouldn't have to try this hard. And I would just cry to my husband and say, like, I just, I try the hardest out of anyone that I know. And I still don't have the success I want, which if I had a tape recorder and get like rewind back, I'll have heard myself say, if I could just make six figures, I would be so happy and so fulfilled and feel so successful. And then here I am modern day making that saying, I wish I could just be successful because it's never enough. So although I did achieve the success, I still wasn't happy, but you don't have to try this hard. And when I started reading um, her name is Florence Scoville Shin. She was a prophet. She lived in like the early 1900s. And I started reading a lot of her stuff. So she died and then her work was made into books. Her students like put together her teachings and made these books for people. There's four different books. Um, 
if you go to my mindset highlight on Instagram, I have like a ton of books. I'm actually going to, um, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, um, the books aren't in my mindset highlight and I have a books highlight. If you see, I have a books highlight, then just go there because that's what I want to, I have books in all different spots, but I want to just put them like all together so that I can tell people like go and tour my library and put like on the book, like this is good for mental health. This is good. If you're overwhelmed, this is good. If you're, you know, in a really deep valley, or this is good. If you're in a really good mindset, because I have books like forever, I can't just recommend a book. I have to know, like, where are you at? Like, where's your mind at? Where are your thoughts at? What are you spending your time doing? All of those things. I need to know that. So um, anyway, the books of Florence are so good and they really break down the Bible into its literal sense. And it was incredible when I started listening to these things and realizing that everything is about belief. Like it's all on belief. Like faith alone is believing without seeing, like that's literally what faith is, is believing something without seeing it. And so if you believe in what God says, if you believe the actual words that he said, not just, okay, I believe in him because he's God. No, do you believe the words he says? Like when he says you are chosen, you are special, you are set apart. Do you believe that? Or you're like, well, no, not me. Like, obviously not me. He doesn't mean that. He means like, oh, of course, like I'm special. Like I get it. But like, no, like he actually means that. So I kind of, as I was taking notes yesterday and being in my church, and this is why it's important to find a church because I'm not about religion at all. Like I was talking to someone at a funeral yesterday and she was like, yeah, I'm just really not religious. I'm like, yeah, me either. Like, I am not about like, you have to say three, whatever, like three song and in order to be saved, or you need to confess your sins to a certain person on a certain day, or make sure you kneel and cross your arms. And like, I'm not about that. Like I'm about a relationship with God. And so to me, like, since I'm a new person at this, like, this isn't like, this isn't how I've always been. It's so new. That's why I've been talking about it so much because I want to wake people up because I realize that I had been asleep And I'm like, oh my gosh, like how many other people are sleeping right now that don't even realize it. And then I watched the movie soul with my daughter over the weekend, the Disney movie. And I'm like, how have I never known about this movie? And I was texting like all my friends, all my family. I'm like, have you guys seen soul? Oh my gosh, you have to watch it. And they're like, yeah, we watched it when it came out. I'm like, how did I not know that this came out? But it's so good. And I realized in that movie, if you haven't seen it, Disney plus go and watch it. So cute. But in that movie where all those souls are lost in that dark Valley and they're like riding the pirate ship around, they're like, Oh yeah, those are all the lost souls. I like was, I was like literally in tears because I'm like, this is the exact vision. This is everything that I've been on a mission to do. And this is why I'm writing my book. And this is why I show up and do these live calls and why I post them on my podcast. And like, this is why I'm doing it is because the underlying reason is people need to wake up. The reason you feel like crap, the reason why your life isn't going the way that you want it to, the reason why you feel so burnt out and exhausted and tired and miserable and depressed and you feel disgusting and you're feel annoying and nobody likes you and you feel isolated and you feel all of the reason is because you're literally a lost soul stuck down in this valley. 
Like that's it. And the only thing keeping you there is your mind. You have to believe that you are, were better than this, that you don't have to put up with this. And so as well, being in a church is important because it's going to fuel you. I don't care if you watch sermons online. I, I watch them too. And I love them and they inspire me, but nothing inspires me more than an in-person event. Like, I feel like that going to church is like a mini convention. Like my church is very, we're just, um, it's just very like, I don't know, come as you are like a lot of broken people just showing up like, um, good, like loud music, a band, like it's just loud like that. And so it's so exciting when you're there and then you can meet other people and you see other people are struggling and you're not alone and there's help. And it's so great to be connected to a church. So if you don't feel that way about your own church or you haven't gone to church because you feel nervous to go or like, like, I don't know if people would accept me. Just, I just pray that you just find the courage to just go sit in the back, like pray about what churches you should visit, go on it, go church hopping, go hop around to a bunch of churches over the next few months and see which church the Bible says that we don't pick our own church, but God picks our church for us. So pray and go where you feel directed to go. Or if like something happens where you were going to go to this church, but then you had the time wrong or the, like, then you can be like, oh, maybe I wasn't meant to go there. So really just like figure that out. But it's important because you need to be somewhere where you're connected with the same people and learning. So while I was sitting in church, I had this whole like vision of, of this list on both sides. Like as he was talking, I was just kind of thinking like, wow, like it was really like the devil's plan and God's plan, like the two plans that they have for our life and how most people choose devil's, the devil's plan without realizing it. And so I'm going to make a graphic to explain all of this. And I think I'm going to send it out in an email because um, and I even want to publish this in my book because I think that this is a really um, important list to have. But the devil's plan starts at generational sin. Like when you're born into this world, you already have generational sin on you. For instance, if your parents were drug addicts and you're born, you probably are going to have to combat a little bit more. Or if they were alcoholics or if they were abusive or if they were abused and now they abuse. Or if they have PTSD, so now they have anxiety and depression and isolate, you growing up in that household is going to be very toxic. Like whatever has been placed on them when they were born is now placed on you. And so you come into this world with generational sin on you. Nothing to do with you. You couldn't choose it. It was chosen for you. But that was the devil's plan. Because if he can get you to be messed up in the beginning, like if I can mess up her mentors that are supposed to be raising her, like more power to me, literally. So generational sin is the first one. And then it's all of the labels and abuse that you receive as you start growing up. You get made fun of in school. You're called fat or you're called four eyes or, you know, your teeth are messed up or you're poor and you don't have the best clothes or you live with your grandparents. And so you're bullied because you don't have a mom and dad, whatever happens as you grow up or some guy doesn't, um, like for me, things that I think of growing up, like I never had a boyfriend ever, like ever. And I was on the dance team and we would do this guy girl dance twice a year. And we did one for Valentine's day and one for like sweetest day. 
but you had to ask a guy to dance with you. And then you would learn a routine together and you would perform the guy girl dance at the halftime show. And I could never find a guy to do it with me. And it was like, I almost quit the dance team because I'm like, I couldn't ever find anyone to wear their Jersey. Like when we had to wear their jerseys on Fridays for the football players, other friends had to ask other people, like, can you please let Taryn wear it? Like, this is part of her uniform and she has to find a jersey to wear. Like literally like was rejected hardcore in high school, like never had a date to homecoming, never had a date to prom, never had a boyfriend and just hung out with my girls and like acted like it was fine. All the guys liked all my friends and it was just really rejecting. And so when I grew up and became an adult, I like felt like I had to prove something and I felt like I needed to make guys like me. And I felt like I needed that attention and I needed that even more because I also had a label on me of abandonment because my real dad had left me when I was nine. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, so then I developed this like need for attention from men. And that was my worth. If a guy said that I was good enough, if a guy was like, oh yeah, I'll go out with you or, oh yeah, we can go home together. Like that's what made me feel worthy, but actually it didn't, it was like a trick. It was smoke and mirrors because then I would actually go home with them or go on a date with them or do something. And the next day I would feel this big, you know, I feel horrible. I feel disgusting. I feel terrible, but here I go again, getting ready, going out Tuesday night, college night, like, and it would repeat the cycle because I was like, no, no, this will make me feel good. This will make me feel worthy. So when you have these labels and abuse on you from when you were younger, now you carry them into when you're an adult and now you're like living in this, like, hi, <laughs> you're living in this with, um, you know, with all that abuse. And so the devil just wants you to do what feels good. Like, that's what you're really chasing. You you're going through your adult life and you're like, I'm just going to do what feels good. I'm going to get drunk when I'm stressed out. I'm going to overeat when, instead of crying, I'm going to, and you just reach for all of these things that you want to do. And none of them are ever going to make you feel better. You're just going to continue to stumble and suffer and live in bondage like a slave. And that is biblical. There is so many scriptures that talk about, do you want to be a slave? Do you want to just continue to live in bondage? Because you're choosing that life for you, for yourself. Those are chains that you have addictions and abuse and feeling worthy in someone else. Those are their true chains that hold you down. And if the devil can keep you here, he's like, perfect. I'm going to have her born to generational sin. Then I'm just going to have all oh, the world's just going to get a hold of her. It's going to be great. And she's just going to start doing what feels good. She's going to suffer. And then she'll be mine. She'll be down here, living down here in the valley where she's close to me and I can whisper. And there's, you know, it's not loud up there that you're by yourself because the first thing the devil does is he pulls you into isolation. Like that is literally his first thing where he's like, come on, come by yourself. Don't answer that phone call. Don't tell people about your problems. Don't go to therapy. Don't get involved in a church. Those people are just going to judge you. Church isn't for people like you. You're too broken for church. Don't open your mouth and talk about this abuse because nobody will believe you. They haven't believed you before. Just go in your room, watch Netflix. And then this is where you're at and you're stuck in your house. And you're not answering your phone. And I know this because I lived this. This was my life. I would ignore people. I even now, like my aunt called me the other day and I answered and she's like, oh my gosh, this is like two for two. I've called you twice in the last week. I can't believe you answered. And I'm like, yeah, neither can I. <laughs> like I literally said that because I still, when people call, I'm like, 
like <laughs> ignore, like what I don't want to talk to you. Like it's an anxiety. It's, and it's only the devil trying to keep me small and trying to pull me back to my spot. So then you die. And guess what happens when you die? You are in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. The Bible says you're cast into the lake of fire. So you've lived this awful life. Like this kid that we grew up with, our grandparents were best friends. And so us kids kind of grew up and he just passed away to a drug overdose and he battled addiction like for a really long time. Like ever since I can remember, he was just struggling. He just, the devil just had chains and shackles around his legs and just, he was a prisoner his whole life. And I watched him and he was in juvenile homes and he went to jail for a while and he was using drugs and then he died. And it's, it is like literally so awful that you live your life here on earth in such a sad, terrible way. And then you die in eternity is even worse than that. And it's the devil's plan. And it's what he uses to get us to do this. And then if he can trick us, then we don't teach our kids. And let me just tell you too, for the, for the mom who needs to hear this, you don't need to teach your kids about Jesus and about God and the Bible. You need to put into practice what you're learning about Jesus and God in the Bible and what you naturally say and do and how you live your life will impact your children even more than you sitting down with a timer for one hour a day reading out of the Bible. I promise you, you do not have to put so much time and effort into, I need to teach my kids this, but instead grow closer in your own faith by waking up and spending time with God, reading your Bible, listening to sermons, plugging into a church. Um, at the beginning of the year in 2021, I wrote on the inside cover of my journal. I prayed first. And then I just started writing out all these goals that I had, like all over the page. I recorded it and I'm going to turn it into a reel to talk about this. But I just, God just flooded me with all these things. Like, what should I be doing right now? What should I be doing next? Where should I be focusing? What should I be praying for? Where do you want me? Where should I be serving? And then I just closed my eyes for a minute and I just started writing. And he was like, write a book, start a ministry at church, um, start speaking more, speak more consistently on my podcast, grow my Instagram, like all these things just flooded in. And I'm like, okay. And now looking back at that, every single thing I had accomplished in 2021. And that's not to say that, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm a gold getter. Um, my whole point in saying that is that you write it down and then close it and don't look at it all year. Like you feel God tell you these things, write them down pray over it. Lord, help me do this this year. Help me focus on this. I know this is where I should be. Maybe he's telling you to focus on your marriage, water your own marriage. If you want your marriage to get better, what do you need to do? You need to go through trials because trials is what grows you. It makes you stronger. So what the enemy intends on evil, God will use for good. You cannot grow unless there's pain. So just know that first of all, like if you want to get in the gym and grow muscles, it's going to be painful. You're going to have to work them. You're going to be tired. You're going to want to quit. It's going to hurt, but you're going to achieve your goal and it's going to feel better. And so you can do hard things because you're empowered by Christ and you're anointed with him. So the proof that it's him doing these goals and achieving them is praying, writing down what you hear, praying over it and closing it, put it in your filing cabinet, put it in your safe, 
Don't look at it all year. And at the end of the year, come back and look and see what you've accomplished on this list by not even realizing that this was your goal, but God was just showing up and doing it through you. The more you show up and do this, the more you'll experience God taking control and just making it work. Like me showing up and spending time in his word and then getting ideas of posts and making posts super quick. Like I didn't plan a post for a whole month. I didn't have it like all set up. It just literally came in my head where I was like, I need to make this and post it. And I did it. Those are all of the posts that I've had the most likes on. I swear, I looked back and I looked at all of them and I remember exactly where I am. I have a very photographic memory and I remember exactly where I was sitting in my room, exactly what sermon I was listening to when I paused it, made a graphic on Canva and posted it and went back to watching my sermon. Cause I was like this, I know that I'm supposed to do this. It was so easy to design it. I didn't have to work as hard. It just like came and, oh, what do you know? I have 650 likes on it. When everything else, everything else, I couldn't even get over a hundred likes on it. Posted this 650 likes, just like that. I didn't do anything. It wasn't even my idea. I wake up and pray that God gives me ideas that are so good and work so good that I know they're not mine. <laughs> like, like I know that I didn't do that because I've proven that I can plot, plan, and scheme as much as I can, like Florence Scovel Shin talks about in her books. And it doesn't matter because the Bible says, stop plotting, planning, and scheming, but instead be still and be open to abundance and see what God wants to do for your life. So the more time you spend in God, the more ideas you're going to have. When I did that and realized I was like, okay, that is crazy. Like that is so crazy that I got more likes on this thing that just came to me than when I tried to plan my content myself. So then I was like, all right, let's see what else you got. Like, I'll, I'll play this game. I'll see. We'll do this. And so I said to God, and I don't know if it was right or not, but he's my dad. And so whatever, if, you know, sorry, he knows my heart. But I was like, if, if this is true, because I kept hearing him in the beginning, like spend more time with me and you'll have more success. So I'm like, okay, let's see if this is true. So I'm like, I'm going to spend more time learning about you and all these things. Cause that's all God wants, by the way, that's why he created people. It says in the Bible is that he wanted people to love. He had so much love and he just wanted to love people. Kind of the same thing. Reason why I had four kids is because I was like, I just like need this love. And what do you do? Especially if you are an older parent, you have kids that don't live with you. This is really going to like hit home. Um, or if your kids like live in a different house for half the time and you know, you, you don't get to see them every single day. What do you want as a parent? Like if someone's like, what do you want for your birthday? Like, what can I buy you for your birthday? Would you rather have things that they could buy you? Or would you rather have them just come and spend time with you? Like that is all you want. You're like, just be with me. Just sit here. Just show me that you like wanted to come over for coffee or you just wanted to talk to me. Like even just calling, even a phone call to you. That's like, Hey mom, just, you know, just wanted to talk. You're like, Oh my gosh, you do like, what do you want to talk about? Like, you're so excited because that's all you want. That's all you want is people to, to care and to call you. And that's exactly what God wants. He just wants to love us. He wants to spend time with us. And he promises, I have a highlight on my Instagram of promises 
go and read those. If you don't understand his promises or you don't know what they are, this is why I'm posting them. So you can go, you can screenshot them. You can make your own album in your phone called promises with all those screenshots. And you can read them every morning or read them when you're in the Valley, when you're in a dark place and you can't see right. And you you're getting shaky on your belief, read his promises. He promises to show up. He says, seek me and you will find me show up and I will be there. He says that everything is possible through me and it will feel good and ask and you shall receive if you believe. So if you believe in the promises and believe what God said and believe his words and believe all of those things, and then you apply them to your life and you start taking action, watch him show up, watch him show up. So I was like, okay, God, if I, I'm going to keep spending time with you. And cause he knows how bad I want to grow my Instagram. And, and I truly like, I tell him all the time. I'm like, I promise it's not for me. Like, I promise, like, I know he knows, but I'm like, I just want a bigger, but I know that part of it is me. Like, because I feel like my worth is in people. Like I'm verified through having a blue check mark on my Instagram because I have so many followers that I'm like, okay, finally I'm verified. But I wrote on my mirror with an expo marker one day in my bathroom that I am verified by Christ. I don't need to be verified by anyone else. Like I know that I'm verified in God. And so I know that I need to let go of that. And I've been praying, help me to let go of this. It's really hard for me to let go. I'm getting better, but totally like make me feel like if I woke up and my Instagram said I had 1 million followers or if I had 10 million followers. Like, how would I conduct my day? How would I conduct my business? How would I show up online in my stories? How would I, all of those things, that's how I need to be acting right now. Because 15.3 thousand followers, which is what I have right now, is, is a ton of people. Like, that's a lot of people. That's like MGM in Las Vegas, their entire place in there. Like, that's a lot of people. My, my microphone is really loud. My platform is really big. The only reason why I don't think it is, is because of my own belief. Because the devil's in my head, like, you're not good. Look, they don't even care. Look, that many people didn't even get on. If you were so good, you would have 100, 200, 1,000 people getting on Zoom. If you were so good, you would have 40,000 followers by now. If you were so good, you would have more people looking at your stories. If you were so good, you'd be making a million dollars. If you were so good, you would be having your dream house already. And that's what goes in my head. And that's like literally what I think sometimes. And so I just constantly pray, God, help me to have the belief you say that I should have. Like just like get rid of any distractions, any little Satan whisper in my ear, just block it, cut them off. Like, no, get away from me. And so there is this, recording that I found on YouTube this morning and I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it on my stories. Um, and I'm going to share it in the telegram chat. So if you're on here live, you should be in our telegram chat. If you are listening to this recording and you want to be in our telegram chat, or you want to be able to access these calls live for accountability to get on, to show up, to set your day right, to set it with good intentions, the opportunity at hand, 
you can click the link in my bio and there's a link on there to get on the calls. You just enter in your info and it'll send you an email with the Zoom ID and stuff um, in the Telegram chat. So if you didn't join the Telegram chat yet, make sure to do that because we do send like resources and stuff from the calls in there. So I'll put this in there, but it's a YouTube video and it's blessings over your house and it's over an hour long and it's the same blessing like repeated twice. Um, and so it's obviously a very long blessing. I was listening to it this morning while I was getting ready and it's meant to just, it's a really pretty like background that changes and it's meant to just play in your living room all day. Like if, you know, while you're cleaning your house or while your kids are playing, like turn it on and turn it quietly or blast it. It was so empowering listening to this. I was thinking that every single person who is in the Valley, they, this needs to be a tool in, in your toolbox. And that's kind of my hope for my book is that it more is like a toolbox. It helps you to realize that you're in the Valley and then it tells you what to do to get out of it. Now, when you're first trying to get out of the Valley, it's super hard, super hard. Like you're going to get out and then like two days you're going to be back in and then you're going to get out. And then all of a sudden you're going to realize like, wait a minute, I'm at the bottom again. How did I even get here? And then you're going to get out and you're going to stay out for like a week and you're going to be right back in. And it's, and I remember thinking like, am I ever going to get out of this freaking Valley and just like be out forever? Like, why am I stuck here? And you will get out. You will eventually get to a place where you have a relationship with Jesus enough where you're putting into action what you're learning, you're studying, you're growing, and you won't have to go back in the Valley for very long. Now, when I go into the Valley, I'm there for like two hours. And then I like pop out where I'm like, nope, because now I have tools. I know the red flags to look for. And I'm going into the Valley. I know what I need to do to get out. I have a podcast. I think it's episode 32, 33, something like that. And it's called the Valley. Oh no, it's called getting out step one. If you're in the Valley right now, or you think you might be in the Valley, go listen to that um, later today or tomorrow. And that'll be a really good place for you to be able to go and to see. But if the devil can get you to stay on his plan, then look what happens. You're born to generational sin. You believe all these lies and trauma. You continue to just reach for what feels good. You suffer. You pull down your family with you. You don't really live that great of a life and you die and you're in the lake of fire forever. Okay. Sounds like really dramatic, but it's the truth. Okay. Go read revelations. If you don't believe me, revelations is like so scary. <laughs> and I'm like, this is terrifying right now, but it's okay. Uh, read it if you need to. But if you do things God's way, and I wrote this down based on experience that if you, so let's say that you are going to be the first person to break this generational sin. Okay. So if you're going to like remove the labels and the trauma, you're going to realize your identity in Christ, who God created you to be. I also have a highlight that says identity. So you can go look at that. Lots of stuff about your identity and who God says you are. But once you learn who God says you are now, when you have kids, you're not going to be perfect as a parent. First of all, you're going to make it, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. It's you're not going to be perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. And even if you are the perfect parent, your child might not be the type of child that receives that type of parenting. So it doesn't matter if you do everything by the book, you still could be at a loss. Okay. So just let go of that perfection that you need. But because you know your identity 
And because you're living in it and you're walking in it, you're going to raise kids that aren't under that generational sin with that, right? Like you will be, you will start out their lives better. And so all they will have to do is really just make sure that they know their identity and they never let themselves get labeled and just know like, that's not me. I don't care. I don't need, I don't need a man to tell me that I'm, that I'm worthy. I don't need a lot of money to feel successful. I don't need a lot of things to feel happy. I don't like, I have my joy comes from the Lord. I have peace. God says, peace. I give you peace. I leave with you. I have peace. I'm fine. Like if you live like this, then you don't have to start that way. You stay. So you find your, you find your identity. You stay connected to God, just like, and there are tons and tons of scripture that talks about the fruit in the vine and like the fruit and the tree and all these things. So really think about it. If you have a branch and on a pear tree and it's growing and you cut the branch off of the tree, what happens to the fruit? The fruit will die. It will not grow anymore. It'll die. It's not connected to the trunk of the tree, which is to the roots where all the nutrition is. It's the exact same thing in this life. If you're not connected to God, like if I don't talk to God or listen to anything or learn anything for like two days, I already start to feel off. I already start feeling like depressed, a little bit sad, a little bit isolated. Like, and you would think that I would learn by now. Like, I'm like, gosh, I'm so stupid. Like you would think that I would learn, like, don't let myself get to that place. Cause when I step away from God, I feel worse. Just like a dog with like an electric fence, like dumb dog, you keep running through the fence. Like, what do you think is going to happen? It's the exact same thing like that we do. And it's because that's our flesh. That's literally the sin of our whole generation from Adam and Eve. Like all of it, it's our flesh. We want what feels good. We want to do things our own way. We want to be able to do. And even though we know it's not going to work out, the devil tricks us into thinking you could do it. Yeah, you could do that. Do it do it, work really hard. You could get it. And then it could be all yours. And you're the one who gets the glory because you did it, not God. And that's what he tries to trick us to do. So our flesh wants it, but we have to deny that and be like, no, we know that that's not best for us. Just like when our kids, as they're growing up, they don't understand, like my son's got their cell phones taken away. They don't understand what I mean when I say it's too much temptation in their hand. They're like, no, it's not. No, no, mom, everyone has a cell phone. I'm like, listen, you don't know what's best for you because you're in seventh grade. I know that you think you do, but I promise you, you don't. I promise you, you will grow up and say, I'm so glad that you had boundaries and limitations and you were strict because the Bible says that you should do that with parent, being a parent, that he entrusted you with these children, but spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm not saying go beat your kids, but I'm saying that you need to be tough. You need to be strict. We're teaching kids how to do things. You're not supposed to just be their best friend and let them walk all over you. So we know what's best. So no, I know what's best. You're not getting your phone back. It's gone. They don't understand. It's the same way God with us. We're like, God, I want this job. I'm making six figures. I have a team of 10,000 people. Everyone looks up to me. I have this huge platform. I get to speak on stages. I get to be praised. Like this feels so good. I get free trips and I have million dollar rings and I get to go all over for free. Like, I don't want to quit this. This feels amazing. Like, please don't make me quit this job. I love this job. This is my ticket to freedom. Remember if I quit this, how am I going to be free? And God's like, oh, sweet, immature child. Like, <laughs> You'll learn one day. And I did. And I had to hit rock bottom to learn. 
just like I personally had to hit rock bottom in my life when I was 19 years old, addicted to drugs, kicked out of my parents' house and I hit rock bottom and had to call my mom and came crawling back. You were right. I need help. My life's a mess. And she was like, okay, come on. I'll help you. Like, I knew you would come on, bring it in. Like she got it. She knew that I would hit that, but I was so stubborn that I had to learn things the hard way. Same person, different stubbornness. I'm still like, nope, I'm going to be a top earner in network marketing. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to be so free. I'm going to make so much money and it's going to feel so good. And it just doesn't when you get there. And it took me seven years to get to a place where I was like, yeah, like I'm finally making money. I'm finally doing it. Look at me. So I can't even imagine how much faster I could have gotten this success if I wouldn't have. Now, I don't want to say waste the seven years because I learned a lot of lessons. I would not be hosting this podcast, showing up on this Zoom if I did not have seven years of experience of leading a team, training people, uh, all the things that I had to do. I am so grateful for that. I had terrific mentors that taught me how to do things. But at the end of the day, I just knew that this isn't where I was supposed to be long-term and it was just a stepping stone to where I wanted to be. So what the enemy intends on evil, God will turn around and use for good, whether it was a bad relationship you were in because you made a poor choice or it was a thing that you bought and you shouldn't have bought it, but now you did. God will teach you a lesson through that. So if you're trying to grow your marriage or get better at your finances, there's going to be some tension. Tension over time is what equals growth. So just know that there's going to be tension when you're showing up to try to do something. If you're going to start waking up early to spend time with God and grow your faith, there's going to be tension. You're going to be tired. You're going to have to go to bed earlier the night before. You're going to have to set alarms. You're going to have to get up. Like there are things that you want to do. It's going to be tough, but it's going to feel better in the long run. And so if you on God's to-do list side, If you remove the labels, find your identity, stay connected to the trunk of the tree, believe, be obedient, and keep walking. Because the Bible also says that if you know a lot, like if you study your Bible or you grew up in the church, your your dad was a preacher and you've been going to Sunday school forever and you know it all. Like, yep, Taryn, I know what you're talking about. Yep, already know that. Yep, heard about that. Yep, know that scripture. Yep, have that memorized. If you know more and you're not doing more, you're going to be held accountable for that. That is, once you know more, now you're held at a higher standard. Like I already had the conversation with you. I already talked to you about it. Now, you know, what's expected. Now, if you break it, now there's a bigger punishment because you already knew what was expected. So if you're not putting into action, what you're learning and you know, all this, but you're still living in this like scarcity, fear mindset of not enough and not being enough and worthlessness, like then your shame on you, like open your eyes and realize that the devil is the only thing that's putting that into your head. You know better. So take that. So when you're being obedient and you're walking in the word, you're doing the things you should. Like I shared in the last, um, the last call about my husband and what it looked like to walk in the word was when like, he was super prideful. We got in a fight over the, over, um, the week. And he was like, his pride was so strong And his heart was so hardened and I was just praying that God would soften his heart and let him just lay down his pride 
And I was just like praying, praying. And then God was like, what about you? How are you doing with your pride over there? Oh, you won't even, you won't even say you're sorry because you're making him say he's sorry, but will you say it? No. So like, how dare you? And so here I was literally like at my kitchen table, hands folded, head down, like praying so hard. And God was like, text him and tell him you're sorry. And I was like, okay, we're not doing that. Like, nice try. We're not doing that. And then like later on, I was doing the call. And as I was doing the call, it was like the example that I was thinking, like, how do you know you're walking in the word? And I was thinking this, it's like knowing that you need to apologize, knowing that God is telling you to like, go say you're sorry, or go do something or give that person something or like whatever the action is, and you're not doing it because of pride and because of things that you're not like that your flesh is, but that your identity isn't that's living in walking in the word is doing the things. And I knew that if I apologized to my husband and told him about my flaws, I knew it was a great opportunity for him to learn and to see that I've changed. And if I, if I send him a text, that said, I'm so sorry that my pride gets away of our love. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I respect you. He's not going to be like, you know, all nasty with a text back. He was like, you're right, babe. I'm sorry too. I love you. Let's have a good weekend. Like, so a gentle answer turns away wrath. It wasn't easy to apologize. And I still don't even feel like I needed to apologize, but I did. And I meant to, I was like, okay, God told me to, and I did this. And so sometimes I'm not as obedient and sometimes I don't do the things right away. And there's things that he's been telling me for years to do that I'm still picking up and I'm still not listening to him. And eventually one day I will stop. But just know that God can still use you, even if you're not obedient, even if you're struggling in sin, God can still use you. Like while we were sinning, he died for us. So don't think like, well, he can't use me until I stop drinking. He can't use me until I stop smoking weed. He can't use me until I stop cheating, lying, being a victim, having this victim, being overly offended. Like these things that we do that are sins, overspending. You don't just have to be like addicted to something terrible or doing something to be not walking with God. If you're reaching for your credit card and you're overspending to make yourself feel better, that's a problem. If you're overeating, that's a problem. If you're being a sluggard and you're lazy and you can't get off the couch and you can't be motivated to do something, that's a problem. Those are things we're not called to do. So pray for them and it will help you to make your life better. So that then you hit success. So remove your, remove um, the labels, find your identity, stay connected, believe, be obedient and keep walking. And you have success, whatever that looks like you're walking in your calling, you're achieving the things that you've always wanted to achieve or things beyond your, your comprehension that you've never even thought you could achieve. And you're doing this and you're feeling good and you're walking by faith and you're in this moment, then you die. Then you spend eternity in the best place the Bible says that we can't even comprehend for even one second what heaven is going to be like. Like the streets are paid of gold. Here on earth, gold is so highly valued. There we walk on it. It's nothing. It's like, just pay the streets with it. Like that's what we're going to be in eternity for. So do you want to follow the devil's plan, which is generational sin, abuse, do what feels good, smoke and mirrors, stumble, suffer, die, eternity in hell? Or do you want to remove the labels, find your identity, stay connected, believe, be obedient, and have success and die and live eternity in heaven? 
Like you choose. I literally was walking the devil's path. I was totally being tricked. I was totally being deceived. And I woke up to my calling. And the last thing that I want to say is just a really quick thing is that I never knew this. And I, I know I've heard it, but I haven't really heard it. And I think why I'm so alarmed, like why people need to wake up more is like, I kind of like grew up in the church. So it wasn't like, this is my first time ever walking into a church. Like I sat there and thought I was listening, but realized that I actually wasn't listening. But Jesus is who died for your sins. I know that. And like, we get to go to heaven because he died for us. So I get that. But you're judged based on how you used your gifts. I didn't know that. I was like, wait a second. I was like writing all these things down where I'm like, seriously, like that's what I've been feeling. But I didn't know that that was true. I didn't know that that was scriptural. And now I want to wake people up more than ever because he placed gifts inside of you. He placed talents inside of you, passions inside of you, because he wants you to use them to impact the world, make the world a better place. That's what he wants. But because the devil has you tricked, you're quiet and you're sitting in a corner scared to talk because you don't feel like anyone even cares about you. So we need to get you to do this because you have a world to save. You have a world to impact. It's not just about you. And it's not just about you and the people inside your house. It's about you, the people in your house, your entire effect that you have on people that you are a pebble in all these ponds. Your kids go to school. You have an impact there. You go to a church. You have an impact there. You go to the hair salon. You have an impact there. You everywhere that you're going, you have an impact on people around you. Even if you're just picking up a coffee or doing something, but it requires you to be focused in the daily presence, being present in the moment. Don't focus on multitasking and don't focus on like, oh, I need to be really good at a certain thing. Like just focus on being present. Like what's happening right now? Like when we get off this call right now, or you end this podcast and this recording, what is going on around you right now that you could make an impact? Is there someone in your car that you could be talking to about something great instead of just listening to regular music and not really talking? Do you have someone who works for you, works in your company, works underneath you, works with you in a ministry that you can be pouring into? Are there kids in your house that you could be spending time with, not just scrolling on your phone, but actually playing a game with them, um, writing things down? listening to watching movies, listening to CDs, like whatever it is that you need to do, like you're called to be present in this current moment. So don't worry about later today. Don't worry about tomorrow, because if you do, it robs you from right now. There is something right now that God needs you for today. He needs you available to scrape someone off the floor. Maybe, maybe you're in a good place. And so he uses you as someone that can be like a ladder up from the Valley. Someone calls you like, because they're feeling overwhelmed. And God knows that you're making yourself available. So he's going to put that thought in their head, like, oh, call Terry or call Taryn or text Taryn. Or so many people tell me that on Instagram, they'll message me and say, I don't even know why I'm messaging you. I just feel like I need to. And then they'll just like vent to me. And I'm like, you know why you're talking to me is because I have made myself available and I pray that God brings me people that I can pour into and be a light in their life. 
And so when this person is on their knees crying, please bring me someone. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed. I need a community. I need people. He's like, message Taryn. Then they're like, I don't know why I'm messaging you. And they don't even realize how obedient they're being in the spirit just by doing something like that. Or you felt drawn to listen to this podcast or to get on here live. Like that is a calling. That's like God that you're like, yes, like I need to do this. Like, so good for you for being obedient, showing up and being on here. Because the number one thing the devil wants is to keep you isolated. So if you don't let him win, it's like blows his whole plan because God's plan is better than the devil's plan. It not only feels better, but you'll achieve more and do more. And it's way better over here. Literally eternity versus the opposite. (laughs) So very different. So thank you for getting on. Thank you for taking the time to listen and to show up for yourself. And to do this for you and your own relationship with God, um, journal about your experiences, the aha moments you're having, the little breadcrumbs that you're noticing that God is laying for you that you're like, yes, now I got on this call. She mentioned this. I already heard that. Now I want to do this. Like write that down. So you remember, because those moments are going to be so special and they're so important in your journey. And I believe in every single one of you. I know that every single person on this call or listening to this recording is chosen and anointed to do something. All you have to do is answer the calling that God has on your life. So thank you for being on. I'll see you guys back here Wednesday. Have a blessed day. Love you.